the music's about to come. Here it comes. Electroshock therapy is why this music is the way it is. What's happening, everybody? This is Joe Swanson with the uh, Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. And uh, in this episode, uh, I'm going to talk to my uh, best friend and uh, my one and only apprentice I have ever had, Paul Yurick uh, from San Francisco. Uh, he owns a private studio over there, and uh, he is the owner of Nowheresville SF at 483 uh, 14th street in San Francisco, um, which is going to be a, uh, curated revolving store. Um, and, uh, so man, we talk a bunch about a bunch of different stuff. Uh, he's an AFM motorcycle racer. So we talked about hundred mile an hour wheelies. Uh, we talked about the triangle of chaos, uh, which is, uh, known to us by that. And it's the Castro to, uh, some of the other guys. Um, what else? We talked about his uh, grandfather's Navy tattoos. We talked about hand poke tattoos. That's been a reoccurring theme here uh, on the podcast is, is hand poke tattoos and how many tattooers had gotten those uh, in the beginning. So um, let's do some more. I don't know. Let's uh, come on in. Let's get some hand poke stuff going uh, just for the fun of it. Um, and you know what, guys, if you enjoy listening to these podcasts and uh you're having a good time hearing the stories and and the bullshit well please uh the way you can support it is first and foremost come get tattooed um i'm at black dagger tattoo which is my shop in vacaville california blackdaggertattoo.com uh you can check out portfolio and all that i'll be there wednesday through saturday this week um and uh, about one o'clock to 8 p.m. or whenever the wheels fall off, whenever the last one's done. So um, come out and get tattooed. Uh, you can also uh, go on Instagram, OG Joe Swanson, and uh, check out the poster that I did. Um, that is going to be available soon. You can pre-order the prints. Um, and uh, those, uh, again, are available. They're going to be $80. It is a uh, poster that's says this is a machine or these are machines this is a gun um has a bunch of uh awesome tattooers uh tattoo machines up there represented on that poster um full respect out to everybody whose machines i used and there's lineage in those machines as well um back to uh other guys that taught um guys who are around right now so i wanted to uh, pay respect to those folks and respect to the craft by uh, making this poster. Um, I'm also going to be donating 10% of the uh, what I make from the poster to the Amsterdam Tattoo Museum. So um, there's going to be 25 copies. Get your copy now. You can uh, PayPal me at uh, blackdaggertattoo at gmail.com. 
um, the 80 bucks, and I'll get it sent out to you when I get them printed and get those back from uh, the printer. So you can also go and buy my DVD. I'm going to be working on the new website this week. And hopefully that's going to be up in the next few weeks. But uh, until then, you can go buy my DVDs at uh, Kingpin, Rely Aid, Bickney, TattooFlashBooks.com. Um, check it out, you know, uh, learn a little bit and hopefully enjoy that as well. Um, and most importantly, guys, if you like what you're listening to, you like hearing it, uh, go tell your friends. Go on iTunes, subscribe, you know, listen to it, rate and review it. Um, it's on Stitcher now. Stitcher app is a great app for both the Android and the iPhone platform. Um, you can listen to the podcast there. You can tweet about it, Facebook about it. So help it out, uh, spread the word and, um, you know, I really would appreciate it. And so, uh, with that said, this is, uh, I don't know. I think it's episode seven. I'm going to stop saying the episode numbers. Uh, I think it's seven. There's been yeah, it's got to be seven, but I'm not for sure. I'm 93% sure that that's what it is. So I'm going to say seven. If it's not episode seven, well, yeah, I don't care. Uh, I'm never going to say it again. Maybe when I get to 100, I'll say it's episode 100. But uh, this is the last time you'll ever hear me say an episode number until 100. I might be lying. I might say another one. But anyways, here we go. I am sitting here, chilling out, hanging out with my buddy Paul Urich via Skype, uh, and he just put his little baby to to sleep, a little nap time, try to get a podcast episode in here. What's happening, my man? What's happening, Joe Swanson? <laughs> shit, man, just uh, working, you know, just trying to just trying to do this shit, and and um, what's uh, what's up with you, man? You just got back from racing, huh? Yeah, just a weekend of racing motorcycles. It's a total bummer. Psych. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, and you have uh you're over there in the in the SFC. Yes, sir. How's the weather? Mhm. The weather is good? Uh it's typical. It's foggy day in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we came uh we came together in uh and got to know each other in San Francisco. I was working at a little uh I always call. I always say it's a little shitty shop in uh, in San Francisco because that's exactly what it was. Uh, we tried. We tried to put a little life into it and a little, uh, you know, some nice touches and and uh, you know, I think we did a pretty good job at that. When was when was uh, when did you have an interest in tattooing and and, and starting to get tattooed? Um, I think I got my first tattoo when I was 14 from, uh, my buddy, Kenny Bellob. Just so we were skate rats and, uh, he was in, he was younger than us. I think he was in like sixth or seventh grade and he had just tons of, of stick and poke jailhouse tats everywhere. And, uh, I just, I don't know. We'd drink a, a 40 old gold and he did a stick and poke on me. And, uh, ever since then, I guess I was psyched on it. And then my grandfather had a bunch of navy tats and uh and that was definitely clinched the deal for me because i yeah. thought he was cool you told me about you've told me about him a few times before and um 
what kind of what kind of stuff did he have? Was it? He had. I actually wear a lot of the same tattoos he had. Like I, my arms are done the, with the same, just updated versions of what he had. He had a dagger through a rose. He had the gypsy head. He had a, a bracelet that was butterflies. Um, That's cool. Yeah, he had all like just tough as nails, old flash basically. Do you remember? Do you remember where he did he ever mention or did you ever talk to him about it? And find out where he got them or? No, he never talked. He never spoke about it, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I think he he was a hellraiser in those days, you know. He's kind of <laughs> trying to forget those days. And, uh, yeah, I was just in, I just remember being intrigued by the, the pictures all over him. He had the never again the the. Um, the dude mopping the deck on his chest. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> You're really, uh, I mean, I know from you were my apprentice and uh, we still, you know, talk a, a lot about design and about art and, and yeah. about shit. And what drew you to that that old school kind of tattoo um was it your grandfather's influence or when well, you yeah, started getting a combination of things? I think it's his influence. And then when I first started getting tattooed, I didn't know what I liked, you know? I mean, I think I was, most people are like that. I just got yeah. whatever random weird stuff, but you know, eventually I was drawn towards the traditional and kind of like the more wacky stuff. Um, and I think that's because prior to that, I had studied like art history and I was really into folk art and still am. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, you draw what you feel really fast and it's wonky and it's strange, but it's, it's got that human touch to it. And for, for whatever reason, I just relate to that. And early tattoo flash is wonky and strange and has taboo subject matters. You know, it's cool. I just love that sort of stuff. Yeah. We were, uh, <clears throat> Jojo Ackerman was, uh, on the last podcast and, right. uh, on episode six and, and uh-huh. we were talking about just that shit. We were, t- I actually told him a story about uh, that. You're kind of fascinated and intrigued by all those little, you know, like the little dog that has the tits and the, the lady yeah. who's, um, one way she's touching her face the other way she's touching her vagina and, Love it, man. you know, just crazy shit. And, uh, we actually talked about, um, the the butthole tattoo that uh, was done in San Francisco. He had his own butthole tattoo story, um, which is which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah. And uh, so when you first kind of you were in San Francisco and and uh-huh. you know I know you apprenticed with me in San Francisco at that little fucked up shop, and yeah. um, you're still there. Uh, and, and you're doing what are you doing with your space now? You have a you have a private Paul has a private studio. For those of you who don't know, you don't know. For those of you who know, uh, that's that's what's up. You go there and you can you can check it out. But um, you're super underground. Mm-hmm. Was that the way you kind of ran ran before? I mean, you've been in the fine art game for a fucking lot of years. Yeah, I was into that. You know, that works differently. But you're kind of you're whole up in your studio with a lot of by yourself time, and I really like that. Um, And, you know, after working in the shop for a while and all that, I just kind of, I was ready to kind of do it like art style, I think, you know, like hold up in a studio doing my own thing um, and then going to hang out with you sometimes. So still being around the tattoo shop environment, but doing it my own way. And so 
yeah, I guess I've been in that studio for, what has it been, a year and a half, two years now? Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, we're going to dial it back. I was really busy and getting kind of burnt, so I'm going to dial it back and uh, not take on any new clients for a while in San Francisco and, uh, and start working out of your shop more. Yeah, that'll be fucking awesome, man. I, I can't wait. <clears throat> it's always a pleasure to have you up there. You And Paul was at my shop from the beginning helping me put it together, and um, it, it was great to have him up there. People still asking about him around there. Uh, JJ isn't there no more, the old man at the quick save, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's uh, he had a heart attack and or some shit went down with his heart or something, and uh, I kept asking him when, how long he was going to, you know, when he's going to retire. And finally his health caught up to him. So he's got to retire now, but Johnny still ask about you and, and the guys at the barbershop, uh, are always talking about you. So it'll be nice to have you come out there and, yeah, I'm looking and forward work. to having the, the, the one dude in the skinny jeans in Vacaville. <laughs> right. That's cool, man. <laughs> you know what? It, it, it you have, uh, you'll have a, a, a lock on that clientele. Yeah, I'm in, man. <laughs> That's cool, man. You know, I was thinking about it. Um, I have these thoughts. Obviously, uh, in doing this podcast, I've been thinking a lot more. And I, t- I talked about it with JoJo a little bit. And um, just thinking about my history and, and stories and, and different um, different subjects that have to do with tattooing. I, you know, I've been, right. I've been really focused on on that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we talked about in the last podcast, if you, and if you haven't listened to that, man, guys, go check that out on iTunes or on Stitcher. It, it was an amazing, it, it was amazing to have him as a guest on. And we talked a little bit about large scale work. And when we were at the San Francisco convention, we were talking a little bit about the same kind of subject matter, large scale work, how he got to that point with, with what he was doing now. And one thing that I noticed with both the large scale work and it translates down to even a palm size tattoo is if you take three elements of a good structure, right? It's, it's drawn well, it's not, you know, overdone, it's not underdone, but it's a good structure to it. And you've done your homework, put in the preparation, you have some heavy fields of, of black shading and you have some nice fields of color, you know, uh, bold color it works and it works whether the tattoo is the size of an entire body or it works if the tattoo is the size of a palm and i think that's what draws me to that draws me one to the because i'm kind of more drawn to that traditional shit too but god i can i can so appreciate the the larger scale Japanese work that I've been looking at, I've been fucking tripping out, man, on that shit. You know, I got that book that is, it's called The Japanese Tattoo, and it was it was uh, a bunch of pictures taken of all these, um, you know, Yakuza-looking guys uh, back in the day by this female photographer who was using this crazy, I think it was like a Polar, it was from the Polaroid uh, company like she was given one of the only five cameras it was the size of like a fucking v- Volkswagen or some shit yeah yeah and it, and it created prints life-size prints immediately I believe immediately um, and that shit in that book man like looking at all those uh, those tattoos with all the black behind them and everything is just it's amazing. I talked to, you know, this a little bit of the same stuff I talked to Jojo about, but how do how do you think that um your you being a 
into the traditional stuff, how do you approach that? How do you approach setting up your designs and, and is it similar to the fine art days for you or? Uh, no, I, I, it's completely different from the fine art thing. Cause the fine art thing I was, I mean, I guess if you're going to put a label on it, I was more of a portrait artist than anything. And yeah. so that was just like, I would put I the label also is really well planned out, but I would, I would put the label, I would put the label of a uh, different kind of planning because I draw and re I don't do large scale tattoos. I only do the small ones, but I, I do the same approach that you're talking about. But, um, I mean, you've seen me, I'm, I'm tedious with those drawings. Like yeah. I'll redraw something 10 times easy before I ever tattoo it. Right. It's kind of, yeah. and every time I, I redraw it, something else gets taken out of it. And that's so helpful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I definitely, um, am the same way. What I was trying to say was I would describe your, uh, portrait, your fine art, uh, days as fucking really good portraits. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it, this guy, if, it just type, just fucking go to Google, search on the internet, and look at some shit, and you will find, like, how small were the fucking faces that you used to do? Um, it goes anywhere. There's some probably the size of a quarter. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. And up to larger than real, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's amazing. And this stuff the size of a quarter looks like a, like a photograph. So it's pretty fucking cool that you've taken, you know, that you, you excelled at that um, rendering, and now you excel at a more traditional tattoo approach. But I, I'm trying to combine the two these days. Yeah? It's, that, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's, somewhere in between where it's a it's traditional designs but i'm doing way more i guess you could call it rendering like a, i don't even know how to describe it it's just to me it seems a little different than a lot of stuff going on yeah now i i, I do see uh um I've, I've i've looked at some of your new artwork and i'm blown away by the um the cool stippled traditional shit that you've been doing and, mm -hmm. and you're doing, you're, you're finishing these drawings out in, um, pen and ink. Uh, talk about that a little bit that, cause that's kind of interesting. You, you kind of pulled that out, uh, for the first time in publicly at a benefit and like an art benefit thing. Yeah. It was a benefit for a lady that had cancer. And so we did this live drawing thing and I just on a whim, made well i kind of watched this prison show and watched them making machines for prison tattoos and uh i was like you know what i think that would make a really cool drawing device and uh so i just took a motor out of an old tooth electric toothbrush and did this and that to it the next thing you know you got like a really cool drawing machine that stipples like a tattoo machine if you were using like a round you know yeah and uh and then here i am i hooked a, a big pin up to it and uh yeah it definitely that device has changed my tattooing tremendously. How so? Because now I'm starting to tattoo like how I make these drawings, <laughs> and I couldn't be happier about it. You know how you get stagnant, and you were I was just doing one thing for a while, and then pursuing a new, um, I don't know, a, a new technique is really exciting. Yeah. It's one that you know, I'm kind of exploring as I go. Yeah, I'm doing that right now with, uh, with black and gray. Mm-hmm. You know, realistic black and gray stuff, and and I I, I pulled out the um, went and got myself some 
what led to it is I had had some interest in it. I had been wanting to do some stuff because I work with a guy over at one day a week. I'll work at Hard Luck Tattoo out here in in Lodi, and there's a guy named Paul Marquez who does some fucking beautiful black and gray shit. And he got me inspired to do more black and gray, and I, I was yeah. I was really, um, you know, I feel fortunate to 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 work with somebody that that does that and he pretty much focuses on it and it's really fun to watch and so right. i was like you know what man i gotta i gotta step the step my game up and and so i grabbed i looked at it like all right i'm not just gonna jump into i've done portraits before i do all that that's fine it's it and they're good but i want them to be better i want it to be top shelf shit you know and so i pull out the the paper and got some graphite pencils and you know, started working through that process on paper first. And, you know, it's, man, it kicked my ass. One, <laughs> you know, it's tough it, yeah, when you yeah, pick up some patience. Man. Yeah. When you pick up something new and you know me, man, I'm not a fucking patient dude. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I got one speed. What, you know, one yeah. thing that, uh, uh, you'll appreciate this. I think, um, my wife told me this, Natalie, she said to me uh, yesterday, she's like, man, you know, you got to take, have you ever just sat down and taken time to breathe, you know, <laughs> and just not really just feel your breath going in and out. It's one of the most ignored senses out there. Sure. And it, it being in that moment, being mindful of, of where you're at. I think I talked about it on one of the first podcasts. I, I don't fucking remember. Um, hit me up on Twitter and tell me which podcast it was that I talk about this. OG Joe Swanson. Um, and it was being in the moment. You know what? Fuck. I think I talked about it on the one with Mike Maxwell that got that wow. got lost. I can see that being a subject you talked with Mike. Yeah. You know, and it's what we what we spoke about a little bit was I've been thinking recently that why people enjoy doing the shit that they do, like exciting things, you know, thinking about when we used to ride our motorcycles in San Francisco, mm -hmm. you know, just get out of the neighborhood for a second and, and rip up the, you know, up the windy streets up to the top of the hill. And yeah, people like that shit, I think, because it keeps you in the moment. Exactly. You know, 100%. That's, what Zen, that's what I say about the motorcycle racing all the time is for 20 minutes when that race is going on, that is all I'm thinking about. I am tuned into what is happening 110%. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it gets no better. So, yeah. You introduced and a lot of times. Don't you find this the same way with your drawings? Like yeah. you start drawing and the next thing you know, it's two hours later and it flew by and you got something you're super psyched on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. And, and you know, you got me into racing and, uh, motorcycles. Now I, I haven't done it in a while just cause you know, I got other shit to worry about, but, um, what what got you into racing? What got you into racing motorcycle? Other than your just need for fucking going fast and <laughs> shit. You know, I think it. I started to dabble in it, and then uh, the you got into BMX, right? Fucking a dude died in front of me on Market Street on his motorcycle, and I was the first one to get to him and all that stuff. And you know, he basically died in my arms, and it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, motorcycles are insanely dangerous. Um, I think I should go race this weekend to. Uh, to get over my fear and I did that and uh and here we are like six seven years later and, and uh champion I, status I face like a maniac <laughs> you're like a fucking champion <laughs> yeah what, what tell tell these motherfuckers what what 
what championship status you uh, what 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 you will uh, your like AFM right one plate this this year for uh, for road racing. Nice. The, the fast knees down on the ground, full leathers, dealy bob. Yeah, and that's for, is that the AFM still, or is that? It's AFM, so that's uh, basically in all of California. Yeah, no, that's that's biggest, cool, man. The fastest road racing organization in America. That's great. And yeah, you, good times. Man. I have, you know, you got, <laughs> when, yeah, totally, right? When I, uh, when you got me into it, we went and we raced supermoto, which is another um, style of racing that you, that you race. And mm-hmm. I remember you getting, getting run over, dude, up I at prayer. Run over. And remember in my apprenticeship, I fucking broke my collarbone. Oh, that's right. Roses with a broken collarbone. <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Pins and uh, you got pins and plates and the whole nine. Oof. It's just, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a retarded sport that is so fun. <laughs> yeah, if if I didn't have to, what what was it? Uh, what was it that your friend Henry said to you? Are you a raider, motorcycle racer or a tattooer? <laughs> yeah, he used to be so worried about my my hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, don't hurt your hands, Henry. I, I just got to. Sorry, but these days he doesn't give me any shit about it. But for a couple of years, man, he he was like semi pissed that I was racing motorcycles. Right. This is uh, Henry Lewis that we're talking about, and that motherfucker is is cool as fuck. He, He's one of the best, man. Dude, man, I caught up with him at the SFO convention. I sent you that picture. Um, you know, he he uh, is a sweetheart to my wife and and uh, and to me as well. And, you know, I've known Henry f- since, shit, back when he was at Mom's, you know, yeah. a, a good long time. And, and he, sure. he would come over to, I met him initially when he came over to Vallejo uh, and he was working, uh, making ink with... It was Jason Schroeder, um, Henry, uh, Hawk Chait, and Eric Jones, um, who owns a shop down in the Tenderloin now. Um, and they all came over. They were mixing ink in the back room of, of uh, Pop's Tattoo, um, who's owned by a good friend of mine, Vince Pelton, and who I worked for for about a good decade. And it, it, I still have some of that orange ink, man. But Henry's a great dude, and, and uh, you got a bunch of work from him. Oh yeah, I wear a bunch of his tattoos, and they're all—they're my favorites, man. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Henry, when I say Henry's one of the best. I mean, he's one of the best human beings. You know, he's one of those special people on this. Yeah, earth. yeah, absolutely. I agree, man. I agree. Yeah. And so, um, what else is uh, what else has been happening, man? You you uh, you got your little studio. It's gonna be. T- if you want, talk a little bit about what you're planning on doing with that space and. And I, I think this oh, yeah. is exciting, sure. man. I'm, uh, I'm opening in a store to give people a chance to do what they, to make their dreams happen. I'm going to be the facilitator. Um, I'm opening a little place called Nowheresville, and it's in the Mission District of San Francisco, 483 14th Street to be exact. And um, yeah, so I guess the fancy word that we're that I'm calling it is it's a curated store that uh, every two to three months. Um, a new person or persons will come in and it'll be people that they had, let's say they made custom made handbags, you know, and messenger bags. And they always dreamed of having a store, but they didn't have the funds to, to have a storefront to, to give it a shot. Um, I'm giving them a store and, uh, I'm just really excited to be working with, a, with different people and helping people do their thing, you know, get yeah. them back that way a little bit. Paying it forward and being creatively inspired at the same time. 
100%, man. So I get to basically like work with a bunch of creative people and, uh, and man, it doesn't get any better than that, right? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at and, all. And it always changes. So it'll be something different every couple months. And that's really exciting, you know? Yeah. No, that's good, man. And, um, I know for a while you were putting out a large amount of paintings. Are you still painting as, as much? Uh, almost more these days. I'm making so many drawings with that weird pen I made. Um, you know, it's on the borderline obsessive right now. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? Um, where do you draw most of your inspiration from when, when doing that kind of, you know, your flash sheets and your paintings and your drawings and shit like that? 100% just the old timers, man. Yeah. I like their stuff and like no reason to reinvent the wheel. It's so amazing that, you know, I just, I basically just try to, I just redraw it my way, you know, and, and that's it. And it doesn't even matter. These days I don't even make that stuff to show it to anybody or anything. I just, that's how into the old designs I am. Like I could, I'd be happy to spend the rest of my life just redrawing old designs. Yeah. What's your favorite one right now that if you can, if you can even. Oh God, it's from your shop. I don't know who the flash is. Um, that weird devil playing the banjo. Oh, that's, I think that's Owen Jensen. Is that Owen yeah, so, uh-huh. like, that's my favorite stuff right now. I just took a bunch of photos of that stuff, and I'm just working off of that right now. Yeah, so, Owen, yeah Jensen. Owen Jensen. I need to get a Jensen machine to make that stuff. With. Holy shit! Right, that that guy was a bad motherfucker. He yeah. he did some cool shit, man. And I have yeah, fortunate enough to have some some copies of uh, some flash that he did, and and um. So you're taking that inspiration from from that old old stuff and and sitting down and just redoing it, or are you you putting some new sh- flair to it, or is that just yeah, with some new flair to it? Some of the stuff that I'm redrawing, I don't think you would know who it who the inspiration came from unless I told you. You know what I mean, or showed you the the flash because uh, I can def- I'm definitely making it my own way. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean it's all, you know how I am. I'm just. I have all these old books and old flash sheets and, you know, I just, I can't help but study that stuff all the time. And I'm just in that and Howard Finster, man, the old folk art, artist from Georgia. That guy is awesome. You, you introduced me to that guy I, as well. And the, it, it, Howard Finster is a, is cool, man. He, he would doing some stuff that, that just was, and, T- talk a little bit about him, because when you first introduced me to him, I was like, what? This guy did what? He had a, a farm or some shit, and he used automobile paint? Or <laughs> He was one of those dudes that was driven, and I don't think he started making stuff until he was older, like in his 30s. Yeah. But um, Never yeah, too late, people. From Georgia, and he just one day like got hit with the inspiration from the Most High, and, and uh he just started making stuff like you, he, he couldn't stop. He was obsessed, you know, and I can relate to that. And then I can relate to, you know, that positivity that that guy had. Like he did talking cover albums, you know, like mm-hmm. that's sick, man. Yeah. The talking heads, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And at one point he, he allowed people to come to his farm, right? And just chop it up and watch him work. And man, you were, he had an open door policy. You could go there and, and spend the night if you felt like it. <laughs> yeah. And my good friend, Nick Halkius as a skateboard museum, he went there and spent time with Finster it, and he said it was amazing. Wow. And what, tell me what he would do. He would, uh, cause he had this weird, he was a Christian guy, right? He, he believed yeah, that God was telling him, 
he was a preacher. He believed that God was telling him to do these works of art. And he said he would, he would chew at night and get super. It was uh, tobacco and caffeine. So he'd chew yeah. tobacco and drink tons of coffee. <laughs> and I guess that when you combine those two chemicals together, it's sort of like an acid trip, you know? Whoa. And, uh, I mean, obviously just look at his work and he, that dude was tripping balls, homie. <laughs> right. <laughs> pretty know? awesome. Pretty awesome I mean, stuff. God was speaking to him. He was definitely out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Hey, whoever was, excuse me, whoever was speaking to him, uh, had it going on. Fuck yeah, man. He was there doing it. Yeah. Um, you're in the mission district of San Francisco. Tell yeah. me, tell all these people if they want to get a fucking greasy taco, where's the best place to go? Oh, I like El Farlito at 24th and Mission. Ooh. Have you taken me? You've taken me there, right? We've oh, eaten there? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That one in Cancun, that's where I always take it. Yeah, that's that's good. You so, can't go wrong. You just throw a rock in the Mission, you know? <laughs> hit a, you throw a rock and hit a taco truck. Yeah, you got or it. Or a little, a little. You know, we've talked about that when we when we uh, used to walk around and try to get out of the Castro for a little bit and, and see some sanity. Uh, we would go and walk down. Where was that place that we walked down to that one day? We walked deep, dude, and it was a it was a nasty little Mexican joint, but it was good. Oh, I don't that know. yellow. It was yellow. It was them, <laughs> it was dude. It was yellow, and you had to get locked down in the Casper. That was like fuck it. That was gnarly, man. So what's like one of the gnarliest things you remember about the Castro? Oh man, it, it's a triangle of chaos. That's for sure. I just remember. Uh, walking, I was not in a good place at that point in my life, you know, and, you know, pile on top of being in a, in a bad spot, you know, emotionally and, and, um, physically not getting enough sleep and, and doing all that. You pile the, the triangle of chaos on top of that. And, you know, you're walking from your car and, you know, look, I got nothing against dudes, you know, into dudes, (laughs) but, when you're walking there and every pole and every tree and every wall has a poster of, you know, a guy in some leather pants whose, you know, dick is bulging out. And, and there's another guy with just a big grin on his face with his face right up, pressed up against it. Just it got it got crazy. It got it, 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 it get to you after a while. Yeah. Do you remember the time I think we both had clients and we were sitting next to each other and they were I don't remember if they were friends or not, but I remember they started talking about fisting other dudes. Do you remember that? That was, dude, I was tattooing that guy. He was getting, okay, he was an older guy um, who was yeah, getting. Yeah, like in his 60s. Yeah, something. he was getting Imagine or some shit, some John Lennon thing that he he had just had some spiritual uh, awakening the night before with a guy's <laughs> hand up his butt. And you were tattooing Gage, um, who on the last podcast I mentioned, I ran into Gage at the, uh, at the convention and um he was the other guy that had done a butt a butthole tattoo uh <laughs> that i had known about uh now i know about jojo ackerman doing one um but you were tattooing gage i was tattooing um this gentleman and he said something he said yeah i got fisted last night and i didn't know what he said he i didn't said really fisted somebody yeah and and he so I didn't really catch what he said. And at that point we were kind of embracing everything. Like it didn't give a, it, it didn't matter how crazy it was. We were just like, Oh, what's that? What do you do? <laughs> yeah, oh, Hanky. We, we were learning. Yeah. Oh, Hanky code. Oh, yellow means urine. All right, cool. Blue means, you know, 
anal fisting or whatever the fuck it was. Right. Cool, man. Let's 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 talk about it. You know, just because you had to kind of embrace it to be able to march through that shit every day. And so I go, what did you say? He goes, oh, I fisted a guy last night and, you know, Gage was immediately on it. And they just started having this conversation about heartbeats and how you could feel it. You never lived until you felt a man's heartbeat through his asshole. Oh, that is horrible, dude. (laughs) So crazy. Yeah, pretty nuts, man. That was, yeah, that probably ranks up there as uh, one of the craziest and weirdest uh, moments in the Castro. Another dude that came in, and remember, he wanted the kanji for lick on his. his butt ball connector. <laughs> yeah, a little taint. Yeah. You know, remember, I was talking with uh, Dave Robinson at the convention and then caught up with Heather Heather Bailey, too, both of uh, friends with Neff. Uh, Neff to Lee Haskell, if you hear this podcast, get a hold of me, man. Uh, OG Joe Swanson at gmail.com. We got to catch up. I got to get you on here. You need to tell me the fucking story about uh, the Asian laundromat you worked in. But <laughs> <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember Neff talking about he was a piercer and remember Neff talking about the how you find the area of the taint to pierce oh, <laughs> this God. is this is the technical shit that you're going to get from this podcast uh you just have a person sit up on the uh the the table uh, on their hands and knees and you just start pushing around with your uh with your device uh with a like a probe around their taint and when their butthole winks at you that you know that that's a spot you need to put the put the jewelry through <laughs> yeah neff deserved way more money than what he was making man <laughs> yeah exactly exactly wow crazy shit man i it's just that it's fun times it was so out there you know like i mean i you just when you get into that there's like a three block radius in the castro and and that radius is deviant central and that's what we used to call the the um the triangle of chaos, but it was stuff goes on there that I don't think goes on in any other part of the world, man. Yeah. Possibly, possibly not. I don't know, man. It, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely wild. And you know, I, th- I would imagine, you know, a lot of dudes are just fucking happy down there, man. You know, they're just stoked to a be wild place to learn to tattoo, man. Yeah. <laughs> how about that? Yeah. How, how, uh, talk to me about that first, you know, the first time that, we kind of hooked up um, when you came to the shop and I was working by myself and was, was it, I can't remember the first day when you came there. Uh, yeah. I think everybody left after you first walked yeah, up just you and I, and we, we uh, talked to me about that. What was going on in your head? And you'd kind of been, there'd been introductions made and, and you were coming to work as kind of the, the, I was the try out for the shop guy. Yeah, a shop bitch, man. <laughs> and I was older too. I mean, I I started my journey when I was in uh, in my early thirties. Yeah. So you know, late start, and I just I wanted to do it the right way. So, um, you know, I had a lot of good people on my side, and and they introduced me to you, and uh, obviously we became fast friends. Yeah. And, uh, but for what was it? That was the first. I don't remember the the amount of time if it was three months or six months, but I, for whatever it was, I, all I did was empty toilets and scrub and open up and do all that, that fun stuff at a, at a shop in the Castro. And yeah, I, I, every fucking minute of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. Super crazy, man. And you know what I knew from very early on and, um, 
you know, that this guy doesn't need to be, doesn't need to be scrubbing toilets. And, and I knew you'd do it for the fucking, you know, forever. If that meant you were going to tattoo and that's that desire and that commitment as a grown ass man with a family and shit. And, you know, wading through those waters to get to the point where you're at, man, is it admirable, admirable. And, and, uh, I think it makes, uh, uh, it shows the caliber of a person to do that. I mean, that bathroom was not clean, homie. Like that was, it was <laughs> nasty every day. You had the health inspectors coming in there, uh, giving people AIDS tests. That was a lesson in what not to do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. That shop had a contract with San Francisco Health, was it Health Department, where they would come in every Thursday and fucking do free testing for STDs and shit. They would take over the shop and take over the bathroom. You know, dudes are in there peeing in a cup, pooping in a cup, whatever the fuck they were doing. I thought that was the weirdest shit, man. I did too, man. I I remember when I first went in there that first day that we were talking about when I went in to meet you, I remember thinking I would never get a tattoo in this place. (laughs) Right. And I think that's why I went in so early every day to clean. It was like, for just all, for our own safety, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Yeah, pretty pretty good times. Um, so what's uh what's you got your curated um revolving store coming up? A little mm-hmm. private studio going on. Um, how's the how's the fam doing? Good. Oh, family's good, man. Stella, always, that the, one's first and foremost. Fuck you know? yeah, man! Baby Maybe girls doing second. Baby girls doing good. Oh yeah, I mean the little one. She's uh, she thinks she's racing motorcycles already on her scoot bike. So we've been uh, raising her right. Yeah, I I remember seeing her zipping around. Uh, what does she say, champion? Or when she calls she calls you champion or something? Yeah, she calls me hot dog Larry. <laughs> <laughs> and then today she tells me on the way home, she's like, "Daddy, that truck next to us is faster. Pass him and win." Oh, oh she just God. wants she just wants to go. Yeah, this kid's on fire. Who's that? Um, I was reading in the paper some girl from, I think it was from Stockton or somewhere out this way because it was in a local paper. But she's Elena Myers. Probably she's racing and she's going fast. Yeah, that's Elena Myers. She's the first uh, female to ever win a, a pro AMA race. Yes, said she's got no fear and she's just doing it. I tattooed that girl too. That's my claim to fame. Oh no I, shit! I tattooed the winner of the Daytona 200 this year, man. Whew. That's cool. Joey, Joey Pascarella. Yeah, that's right, man. He's, uh, I remember meeting that kid out at Supermoto. So you really, and the reason you're going to be coming up to the shop, you're going to be coming up to my shop um, soon to try to get some of the, a lot of those folks live up where. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I tattoo a lot of people in the motorcycle world and, um, and they all live up your way, man. So it's a no brainer, you know? Right. So well, they, you know, they have to travel an hour and a half to get down to me. Or I can travel an hour and a half up to you guys, hang out with my friends, and uh, and tattoo good people. So yeah, that makes it all makes it all worth it. Makes so. sense, right? Oh yeah, easy. <laughs> That's an easy decision, man. You know, come up, hang out, have a you know. When it's about to get cold, you know, it's going to be getting colder here, so we're going to be able to have some of those uh, uh, cappuccino drinks from the Quick Save Market. That's cool, man. I'm in. Yeah. I'll let you guys make fun of me like you did last time with my tight pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's mostly Kenny and and uh, probably mostly Kenny. Yeah, I can take it. Yeah, no no sweat, man. 
Well, fuck, dude. It's uh, you still got a little time? Is your is your girl? Yeah, I got. She's out for a while, dude. Okay. Well, um, you know, I just uh, am stoked on uh, I'm stoked on what you got going on, and I'm really happy that uh, things have come to a point where they're at. You know, I think about uh, all those times back. You know, we talking about the Castro, and those were great times. You know, those were really fun and. And, uh, you know, it, it's great to have a lineage and a history and, and be able to look back on those times. And, you know, honestly, I think that no matter how you come up in tattooing, you know, Ackerman and I talked a little bit about the lineage, but he basically said, you know, it doesn't really matter if, as long as you come up and you put yourself in, you do the right things and you seek out those people that are doing the, the good work and, and are, um, doing the right things, well, you're going to be all right. And, you know, we've, we've kind of forged our own way and I'm really excited about it. And it's cool to see all the, the new work that you're doing. And, and, um, you got a little, you were telling me about some shit you were doing with the, the, the girls next door at the little salon. I think it's a salon and, um, they're getting all these little, like little three liner. Yes. And these girls, man, they are, uh, they're way cooler than we are. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're in the cool people scene. Yeah. And for whatever reason in that scene, man, they love like little tiny dots and little tiny long lines. So, uh, the thinner, the better, right? On them, it's like, it's almost tribal to be honest with you. Like their designs they want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of fun and exciting because I've never fucked with anything like this in my life. And, uh, so they come in and, and, we just do weird little, like the thinnest line tribal tattoos on them, man. And I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. It's it's that, it's to be able to appreciate all kind of the, the different forms of, of tattooing. And, um, you know, one thing I always think about, man, we're both into the tattoo, the into the traditional Western sure. stuff. And I think I was talking to somebody about it the other day. And I think it's so interesting to think back where that stuff now flash is now being produced as a um as art now it also gets sold and and people are doing that but initially the flash you know tattoo flash the design sheets that you see displayed in the on the walls of tattoo shops across the the world were initially made by guys who wanted to get that stuff up as quick as possible um and so that they could tattoo those 20 to 30 the sailors that were about to drop into port. Yeah. It's such a, it's changed. It's an interesting change that has gone on with it to where it's, it went from a very blue collar, you know, a a blue collar, not even art. It was a blue collar piece of the, the craft that you needed to have to make money. And now to where it is these days where it's not only that, but it's also, an incredible art form. Do you find that as well? Well, I think a lot of stuff these days is exciting and tattooing, and it just depends on whether or not you want to have a what what your take on it all is. For me, I think it's cool because with a little bit of research, you can find the right person for your idea. Right. And uh, there's people that can make your dreams come true, and there's people that are very specific in what they do, and it just there's something for everybody now, and I, that's what I think. And there's even people now that are just like just work from their own custom flash, which is rad. So it's 
anything you can imagine happens now, and it's 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 up to you to open yourself up to it. And I think it's exciting times. Yeah. What's the longest wheelie you ever rode on a motorcycle? Um, maybe like three gears long. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you t- I don't know. You t- very, very maybe like probably close to 100 miles an hour. <laughs> Ooh, God dang, son. That's uh, that's crazy. You you took uh, now the last time you went down to L.A. Um, for an event, you, you did you ride your Ducati down there or I rode a, that was the last time I rode a street bike. Since then, I've sold all street bikes. No more street for me. That's right. That's right. How was that trip, man? It was you, that was cool, man. I mean, I was riding a friend of mine that had passed away his motorcycle down to a special event for my wife, and like so, just uh, you know, a lot of cool feelings going on with that and throw up. Reconnecting in a way. Yeah, throw on the leathers and yeah, um, man. it's cool. Taking a if you haven't taken a long trip on a motorcycle, you're missing out. You know, you took a trip with your father-in-law and uh, David Slash and Ashen uh, from what was that South Dakota back out to California and uh, or that kind of round trip. Or? Here to South Dakota to a weird long route home three times. Down. And, uh, and then this coming year, actually, I'm racing at um, in South Dakota during Bike Week. They're gonna have a supermoto race, and I've been no invited. Shit, that's cool. When is that? What's that? When is that gonna take place? It's, uh, next year during Bike Week. I, it's in the summertime. Damn, that's cool, man. Yeah, Maybe- it'd be super rad. It'd be a ton of old ladies with saggy tits and <laughs> cycles. Can't wait. Super awesome. Super awesome. Rawhide tans. <laughs> I'm into people with yeah. on their heads. It's cool. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And one of those trips, um, Dave crashed his bike, didn't he? Is that, is that the one? Dave died. <laughs> but Dave pulled it off. Yeah, he. Uh, we were getting on the freeway, and we're all on Harley-Davidson's. And the kid was going inner tube in that day, and he pulled onto the freeway in front of us, and he had one of those giant, like, tractor tire inner yep. tubes in the back of his pickup truck and yep. it wasn't tied down oh shit and a gust of wind caught it it lifted out of the truck and it bounced and my father-in-law made it underneath and it bounced again and i slammed on my brakes and uh dave clipped my rear wheel and that was the end of dave oh shit <laughs> looked at my rear view mirror and he just tumbled like you wouldn't believe and i thought he was dead because he was wearing what was he wearing at that point wasn't he he just wasn't like cool guy brain bucket helmets that people wear oh, now God. Well, hipster ones hipsters yeah. don't wear those helmets you will get your head chopped the fuck off with those things full face <laughs> helmet if, if if anybody is trying to wear that those little dumb dome skull cap helmets go check out uh harley wheelies on youtube all those bad motherfuckers are wearing full face shit you yes. want to be you want to be cool these days wear your full face be safe and cool no doubt about it man yeah but he got lucky and he just said the main thing he remember when he was skidding across the pavement was hold your head, hold my face up. Oh, <laughs> was he? Was it, you know, and, but he got away pretty clean. He had like Kevlar jeans on and shit. But, that's uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Safety gear, dude. Safety gear will save you every time. Whew, yeah, that's wild, man. Uh, I remember you telling me that story initially, and it was that's so sketchy to to be. You probably you know you're out of you're out of your area. You got nothing familiar, and all of a sudden you know some crazy South Dakotan throws an inner tube at you and you go fucking skidding across the freeway. <laughs> yeah, dude. Everything happens in a split second. I've had many of friends take helicopter rides to, to uh, hospitals. You never see it coming. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, with, with racing, like the when, when you got 
ran over at Prairie City. I mean, literally ran over. I'm going to post the picture. I got to try to scoop that picture up from you, e- email it to me or text it to me uh, or something. I'll send you on. And uh, that picture is frightening, dude. Yeah, I remember looking at the the day after, you know, like yeah. kind of reeling from it all and being kind of freaked out because I had that nerve damage in my back that was really scary. And seeing the post, the worst thing I ever did was look on the internet at pictures of it and people posting like that I was dead. shit the sequence i saw the sequence did they have a sequence because fortunately man whoever the photographer is on that um what's that for the riders.com for the riders.com go support that guy he he took some insane pictures and was fortunately in the right place at the right time and was snapping when and my point to this was when you're going that fast and you slide out and you're thinking you know, okay, that's just going to be an easy slide out like all the other ones. And all of a sudden there's a guy that was right on your ass. I mean, trying to pass you at every corner and, and yeah, there's nothing he could do. He didn't know nope. do it. You know? He just, it just ran right the fuck over you. And yeah, wild man. That's I mean, when I tell the job of not killing me. You know, he did everything in his power, everything he should have done to not fully take me out. <laughs> yeah. I remember, uh, my next race, um, you know, they announced my name. They're like, where is he? And I waved from the stands. I said, what's up, guys? I'm up here, man. You have fun. Because <laughs> I don't got health insurance right now. I ain't yeah, doing right. this shit. I, remember, I think that's the most scared I've ever been, dude, is remember they had, you guys had me in the RV. Yeah. And uh, so Joe's an ex-cop. He knows what's going on. He knows when things are going bad. And uh, our friend Ed, Ed Camara, he is a, a firefighter paramedic. And I remember... He said something to you, and his eyes got big. Your eyes got big, and I heard the word helicopter life flight, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, and then what? you got to. I, I think I was going in shock or something, right? Yeah, then you had to kind of. We had to really. I mean, it was talking you down and and keeping you calm because, you know, once the once the shock hits, it kind of w- worked you out of it, and and everything ended up being fine, and you know, you you fortunately came out of it pretty good, and yeah. Fucking crazy yeah, though, man. Smoke a cigarette. I was like, let me go smoke a cigarette, and if I come back and it's still bad, then you can call. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's your attitude <laughs> exemplified, man. All right, let me just. It's like me when uh, when I I was in Hawaii, and this is another story for another time. But I cut my toe, and it was it ended up with eighteen stitches. But um, you know, on the way to the the hospital the little, the urgent care clinic, you know, I got no insurance. I'm going there. I know this shit's going to be expensive. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder if I could just duct tape it and, you know, make it all right. You know, just take care <laughs> of it. That the other day, man, I fucking, uh, took a pedal to the shin and it laid it open. I was like, well, fuck, if I go to the doctor now, I can't p- pick my kid up from school. Um, I'd rather just go put a Spider-Man Band-Aid on it and go about my business. <laughs> yeah, you know what? There's there's something to be said for those. I hacked my my hand up the other day, reaching into the sink with a uh, for the fucking uh, blender, and the blender blade hit me, and it just cut me. Oh yeah, it's you know what? Breathe, right? <laughs> I need to take time and be mindful and breathe, son. And uh, so I gash it up, and there's something to be said for fucking. Uh, the guy who invented butterfly band-aids, you know, he's a cool dude, man. (laughs) But you've been mountain biking a lot, huh? I'm into it, man. It's like motocross with your, your feet are the uh, motors. 
Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I used to mountain bike a lot when I was in Santa Cruz. I lived in Santa Cruz. I uh, sold a car and got a bike. Uh, Gary Fisher, who uh, wasn't a Hukawiku, it was a Paragon. Um, and it was one step up. The guy ups- upsold me, best thing I ever did, and got some saddlebags, some Continental Slick tires. And I would roll from Scotts Valley, California, to out to, what is it, Aptos out there where Cabrillo College is. Eight, yeah, yeah. You know, 18 miles, and I was working down on the wharf. And mountain bikes are cool, man. They're fun. Well, I, I just like being outside and, and uh, being in nature and getting it done on two wheels, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. Have, now, when is... Uh, when is your little when is your little girl gonna get on a uh, on a pedal bike? Is she she's on her little scooter now? But she's I would imagine like Christmas time. I yeah, think she's getting one for Christmas. So nice. Don't it'll listen. Don't yeah. listen to this, Stella. It'll be when she's five, she can go racing on motorcycles. <laughs> That's amazing. I remember seeing that little tiny kid racing at Prairie City as well, and it was it was comical. I mean, it was almost. The kid was, you know, didn't come up any higher than my waist. And he's on this little motorbike, this little 50 or whatever it is, just getting it. Full leathers, helmet, shoulder pads, fucking, you know, uh, whatever he had. And I remember taking him a little, him going around the corner, taking a little digger there at the S corner and just jumping back up like we, you know, anybody else would have and jumping back on. And I can imagine the excitement in that kid just rushing through that kid's vet the veins he didn't he didn't care if he was in first last third it didn't matter to him man he was just getting it and there goes back to zen moments man oh yeah yeah man it, it's uh what's what's been your favorite and we'll end on this man what's been your favorite uh memory about racing and then i want to know your favorite memory if you have one or something that you hold dear uh about tattooing as well cool my favorite memory of racing is Sunday, this past Sunday, my friend Jeff Hollywood Green won his first championship, and uh, he had been racing for 21 years. Yeah. And he beat young guys, old guys, the whole deal, and he just killed it all weekend. He, came, he did a big wheelie, a big burnout in the pits, then he got under our little canopy and took his helmet off, and he was crying like a baby. He was so happy. <laughs> that, my friend, oh. is my favorite motorcycle memory. <laughs> that's dude that gives me goosebumps man because i i know i know hollywood want to tear up just like thinking about it i'm man, telling you he, you know what i was like hollywood you could die right now and be happy right and he's like yes sir <laughs> man you know what and having raced a little bit and having been in that you know just that excitement about coming out after a race yep. i didn't even win dude i was like second to last or some shit you know or sixth out of still hype. Dude, I was hyped. I was high-fiving the guy next to me who almost made me crash and shit. Right. You know, it was just, it's amazing. And so I- String together a a whole race season where you have to consistently do well to win a championship. That's an emotional deal, man. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Well, congrats to- uh to Jeff Green and Green's construction, a green construction. You need some shit done. Holler at that guy in the city. And, uh, um, you know- I'd say my favorite- my favorite uh, tattoo memories is apprenticing with you, and every time when you make one of those tattoos on somebody where they just want to give you a big hug afterwards, yeah, always good, man. It's great, so, isn't it? So I guess what I'm saying is I'm a tenderoni. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, man. I think uh, I think that's the way for a lot of us, and that goes, 
you know, with ever with, with whatever you're doing in life, you know, if you put your all into it and you're positive and regardless of what's going on at that moment, you might be broke, you might be hurt, you might be whatever, but if you keep a positive attitude on it and keep plugging away and honestly, like my wife said, be mindful of being in the moment and understanding that everything happens for a reason and, and you know, all you can do is all you can do. So plug away, be positive, hustle, and you know, stick around positive people. And that shit will uh that shit will work out. You got it all, man. Well, Paul, I am just absolutely ecstatic that you could come on today and we could catch uh your little baby girl on a nap time and we could have this podcast. This has been a, a long time in the in the works and I appreciate it. Uh you are wanna you are my best friend and I love you very much and I Joe I'm honored to be on it man so thank you very much no problem brother and uh, text me those pictures or email them to me and I'm gonna get them up on the uh, the podcast uh, when uh, when I do the post on on the blog and shit so fuck yeah man I appreciate it Paul you have a great day and and uh, I look forward to uh, let me know when you're gonna be coming up to uh, to Black Dagger. All right, home slice. All right, buddy. Peace. Bye. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, episode with uh, Paul Yurick uh, from San Francisco. You can find him on Instagram uh, at uh, it is at nowheresville sf uh, you can find me on instagram at og joe swanson on twitter at og joe swanson hit me up on twitter people come on get on twitter let's uh let's start uh let's start getting some stuff going all right i like instagram it's cool but it's pictures i want to be able to hit you guys back i want to hear from hear about what you guys want so get on twitter if you ain't on twitter get a twitter man all right og joe swanson go follow me i'll follow you back We'll, uh, we'll chop it up. So anyways, you got questions, comments, concerns, holler at me, OG Joe Swanson at gmail.com. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast, come get tattooed by the poster, support the tattooers that you're hearing on the podcast, support the guys that are in your towns that are doing the, the good work. And you know what? It's, you'll be happier for it. So, and supporting local tattooers and the the guys that are doing the right shit and the girls that are doing the right shit well that's what it's all about so let's build this tattoo community up let's bring it uh back to being positive and uh you know what fuck all the bullshit right let's uh stay on your hustle uh hang out with your families uh be positive all right everybody enjoy your week Let This Play. It's a great song. Last interruption I'll ever make. Maybe.